January 8th, 2017, uh, yesterday, would have marked the 82nd birthday of Elvis Presley. So I want to do this little video clip kind of in memory of Elvis uh, and honor of his birthday. Um, I have some very special memories to me of Elvis Presley. I was raised in the Deep South, Charlotte, North Carolina, many years ago. I was raised by my grandparents, uh, and we went to this huge Southern Baptist church. And it had a gigantic choir, like it was probably a hundred, maybe even more members in the choir. And... Uh, they were like uh, way above us up here in front of us, and they were all dressed in these very angelic white robes. Um, and um, uh, they sang, you know, perfect. It was the, the voices were angelic. It was beautiful, um, and it was also pure and pristine and everything. But a few miles away were these uh, black churches. And uh, when you heard their service, it was completely different. Um, they had a band in there. They had drummers. They had a guitar player. Uh, and the singers, uh, there was always one or two soloists uh, that would just raise the roof uh, off, of the, off the ceiling. And um, as a kid, you would go, I mean, they were singing the same songs that they were singing in... in my white church, all white church, um, but when you heard the hymns being sung in this black congregation, you go, my God, that's that's how that song should be sung. Uh, it was just something to uh, to behold as a kid to see the, the the difference in how they sang the same song. So around that uh, around that same time, uh, came on the scene a guy named Elvis Presley. And when you first heard Elvis's voice, you go, damn, the guy sounds black. He sounds like a black singer. He's got the same soul, the same kind of voice as a black singer, but he's a white boy. And this just shocked the shit out of everybody, that a white boy could sing this way. Now, um, around that time, there were people that, like Chuck Berry and Little Richard, but nobody really heard of them other than sort of in the black community. And, uh, you know, it was kind of the black music over here and then this kind of pure, pristine, angelic white music over here. And it was kind of uh, the same in, in not just church, but in the rock and roll or the music business. You had sort of, on this side of the fence, you had Pat Boone and Bing Crosby and people like that. And on this, that were mainstream, you heard about them all the time. They were on all the TVs and everything. And then you had Little Richard and Chuck Berry and, you know, a bunch of other performers that you hardly ever heard about, if, if at all, if you were white. And Elvis came along and he changed all that. And even if you listen to uh, interviews uh, of Chuck Berry or Little Richard or James Brown, they'll tell you, they'll say in the interview that, uh, if it wasn't for Elvis, who uh, we probably would have maybe never became mainstream entertainers because everybody started listening to Elvis. Here was, a, like I said, a white boy singing black, and he kind of made this kind of music uh, and the sound of music mainstream. Now, there were a lot of people, some people anyway, everybody was in awe of Elvis at that time, 
because um, they'd never heard anything like it. Uh, now, there were some people, just like today, that's got to stick up their butt, you know, conservative people that can't handle stuff like this, uh, prejudiced people. Uh, they weren't going to have, have any of this. So they would burn Elvis's records. Um, and I remember when he appeared on TV, when he first appeared on TV, they would only show him from the waist, uh, I'm sorry, from the waist up. They wouldn't show his gyrating, his gyrating hips or his, you know, his shaky legs. Uh, they'd only film him from the waist up. So Elvis was a phenomena that to a lot of people, they don't understand how much he actually changed music and uh, how much of an influence, because he had his roots in all these black churches uh, singing gospel. Um, and a lot of people don't realize what an influence he had in making black music at the time uh, mainstream. So uh, he was just a, a, a phenomenon that came along at the right place at the right time, but, but he had talent to back it up. Now, um, fast forward, uh, well, needless to say, growing up, uh, I was a huge, huge fan of Elvis. Now, fast forward many years, I was a uh, student at University of Nevada, Las Vegas. So, um, that was around the time when Elvis was making his kind of comeback shows. And Elvis would play at the, uh, what was then called the International Hotel. It went on to be named the Las Vegas Hilton and I think now it's the Westgate. Um, but uh, Elvis came to town one time to do one of his comeback shows, and I didn't have the money to, of course, I wanted to go see the show, but I didn't have the money. And one day, one of my uh, buddies who lived in the dorm, he comes to me and says, hey, you want to go see Elvis? And I went, <laughs> are you kidding me? Uh, so he went to see Elvis. I went to see the show. He had tickets. Now, I don't care if he never, if he didn't like Elvis, if he didn't appreciate his music. I can tell you, when this guy walked on stage, he had a aura, a charisma, an energy. Uh, one person once said that Elvis was a bundle of energy set to music. He was something to behold on stage. Uh, his, uh, you just can't even put it in words. Anybody that's ever seen Elvis perform in public. Um, in concert before his later ages when he kind of got overweight and stuff but when I saw him in the early days you know exactly what I'm talking about so you know obviously after the concert I thought well how much better can this dream get I mean here I got to see my music idol uh, live on stage I figured you know couldn't get any better than that so fast forward about a year later Elvis comes back to do another show at the International Hotel. Now, when Elvis would play the main showroom back then, there was a singer uh, named Bill Medley. He would always play the lounge. Now, Bill Medley was one half of the famous uh, singing duo, the Righteous Brothers. Now, growing up in high school, I was a gigantic fan of the Righteous Brothers. So uh, my girlfriend at the time, I said, let's go see Bill Medley. Because after they split up for a while, they later got back together. But when they first split up, uh, Bill Medley would do his own, own shows. So he was playing the lounge. Elvis was playing the main showroom. 
me and my girlfriend, we get to sit right uh, on the, at the Bill Medley Show in the lounge. We get to sit right center stage, right where the microphone uh, sort of is, right above us. And um, back in those days, uh, they had a lounge there. And the lounge shows back then were almost as, as sometimes as big as the, the uh, casino show, the main showrooms. They were incredible shows. But you'd come down these steps... You'd walk down these steps, and there was like this little theater kind of uh, thing there. And um, uh, I don't know, set a couple hundred, 300 people, something like that, maybe more. And uh, they were all these half-moon booths, and you'd walk down these steps, and around here on the sides were these half-moon booths. But me and my girlfriend are sitting down center stage. And Bill Medley is between songs, so there's nothing going on. And this is something that's just hard to describe. All of a sudden, the entire room just turned around and looked up at the top of the steps. Nobody announced him. Bill Medley didn't say anything. There was nothing going on. Everybody just felt this presence. It was almost uh, eerie in a way. Everybody just felt this presence come in a room. And almost in unison, everybody just kind of turns around. And sure enough, there's Elvis coming down the stairs with his so-called Memphis Mafia. So he comes down to this landing right above where me and my girlfriend are sitting, and uh, he sits in the half-moon booth, and he's in the middle, and he's three Memphis, uh, uh, three on one side and three on the other side. So I'm like, I turn to my girlfriend, and I'm like, oh my God, that's Elvis Presley. And by now, everybody, the whole room was like a buzz, and I turn to my girlfriend, and I said, uh, i got to get his autograph. There's no way I'm not going to walk up and get his autograph. And my girlfriend said, are you crazy? They're going to karate chop you to death, you know. Uh, you're not even going to get close. Uh, they'll start, you know, throwing their karate chops and stuff, and you're not even going to get close to them. And I said, well, it's worth it because you can't pass up this opportunity. So I didn't have anything to write on or pencil or anything. I went up to the casino and got a Kino a uh, piece of paper and a Kino black marker uh, that they used to have back there. You'd mark their Kino spots with. And I come back down into the lounge, and I'm walking back down the steps, and I'm thinking, i got to do this really quick. So as soon as I hit the landing that Elvis is sitting on, I just turn really quick and said, Oh, Mr. Presley, Mr. Presley, uh, da, 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 da. And I said, you know, things like, I'm such a fan of yours, and I'm uh, a music major, and a theater arts major at the uh, University of Nevada, and I just started babbling out of stuff really quick. And much to my surprise, nobody, you know, touched me. Elvis just flashed this gigantic smile across his face, reached his hand out, shook my hand, and he just started talking to me as if he had known me all his life. Hey, how you doing? And uh, thanks for uh, coming to the see Bill Medley here, and, uh, and he was actually thanking me for coming to see Bill Medley. And, uh, and when I said that I was a music and theater arts major, he started saying, well, how are you doing in school, and, and how's that going? And then we talked for about five minutes. And I was aware that around me the show had completely stopped. Now, I don't know if Bill Medley was just taking a natural break or something, or they were waiting for me and Elvis to stop talking, but everybody was looking at us. So... Um, we had this conversation like about five minutes, and like I said, he was talking to me like like I was like he knew me his whole life, and uh, and let me tell you, up close in person, 
this was one good-looking guy. Probably the most handsome guy I've ever seen uh, in person. He was just a good-looking dude, man. And, um, and he had that huge smile across his face. So anyway, I take my little keynote thing and my, uh, after we talked for a few minutes and, and hand it across the table to him. And he didn't quite get it. And, and so for maybe 10, 20 seconds, him and I are juggling this uh, Kino uh, paper and, and little black marker together. And finally he gets it. And, you know, and we, all, we both kind of giggle. And he signs it and uh, uh, hands it back to me, extends his hand again, shakes my hand. And the last thing he said to me was, stay in school. And uh, man, I get goosebumps just retelling that story. And the thing that was so impressive, now going on many years since then, I've met a lot of movie stars, a lot of famous people, but uh, not only meeting him being my childhood sort of music idol and still a huge, gigantic fan of Elvis, um, the impression of him being such a nice, cordial, friendly, no pretense, uh, just, uh, it's hard to put in words how just kind of like an ordinary person he was. He was so uh, um, courteous. Uh, I will always remember that. So uh, Elvis, um, you know, you will always be uh, the king of rock and roll to a lot of people. Uh, your music influence was felt throughout the music world and you changed the way uh, the world looked at a certain kind of music and uh, you were just a phenomena and I will always uh, cherish that but more than anything I will cherish that memory of meeting you and how you treated me and, and the respect and the kindness and your courtesy and gentleness and uh, everything was something that I will never forget uh, for the rest of my life. So thank you, Elvis, and uh, you'll always be the king of rock and roll.